A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a meal delivery plan that is 100% heart-healthy, plant-based, made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100 plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Try Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contractor commitment, and you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order. Promo code capital L, capital Y, capital T capital Y yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being. And I have this myself. This saves me time and energy. And I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. Starting off, 0124MO asked me, I notice you don't put your hands flat during down dog and instead push into your finger pads. Why? Well, hmm, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm assuming that you've watched some video where I was pressing my hands away from the ground. So in down dog, your arm is in a flex, your shoulders in a flex position and your weight bearing through your hands. To not, in order to not collapse into the armpit where you would going into would be going into excessive shoulder flexion, there's a counter force into the floor of pressing down. Right, so we're trying to press down and lift the rib cage away from the ground, so that those opposing forces help the shoulders stay um, centered and strong. And there is work from the hands, but it's not excessive in that position since the shoulder is not directly over the wrist unlike it would be like like it would be in a standing L shape so one way to practice getting into down dog and then seeing for yourself how to weight bear through the hands would be to start off in quadruped where you have your hands under your wrist or under your shoulders your knees are under your hips and you get the feeling of the front body lifting up as if you were going into a cat pose 
Now, whether you actually lift up and get into cat, you don't have to, but you could also transition from down dog with more of a cat position because your scapula in cat position are starting to protract. And protraction is part of upward rotation of the scapula, which is necessary and functionally sound when your arm is in a shoulder flex position, like it is, like I was saying, in down dog. So you can start off that way and that would be fine. But either way, you start off and your shoulders are over your wrist. So you've got some weight down through the hands and you've got weight down through your metacarpals, which are the little bones, the the kind of roots of each of the fingers. And you'll press into those. And then you would lift the knees off the floor and lift the pelvis up and slowly transition some of the weight in toward the feet. But more than anything, what I often cue is lifting the hips or lifting the pelvis up, deepening the flexion of the hips. So that's that front hip crease and getting the body in a triangular shape. So as you're doing that naturally, you will come off of the hands from being directly over them. The shoulders will move away and you'll be at that angle that you acquire in down dog. So the way your hands are pressing into the ground will slightly change, but not a lot. You still want to feel the amount of weight bearing in the hands. So all of this is to say that you don't want your hands pulling away from the ground like you were kind of curling your fingers together, nor do you want just like a flat pancake hand that's not doing anything. It's probably a little bit of the combination. And where you get more of the hand grabbing or gripping like a little tree frog is when you are getting your weight shoulder over the wrist, like a handstand. And you need that kind of pulling in of the fingers to give you uh, support to hold like, like a little tree frog would. And in down dog, you, you don't have that same degree of pull. So it's a combination. Um, I hope that answered your, you were asking why, and I don't have them flat, flat, but I definitely am not trying to pull my metacarpals, my, my, the roots of my fingers away from the ground either, because that would not be good for the wrist or elbow or the energy exchange. Anne Velez, A-N-V-L-Z, asks, how to facilitate optimal posture in a car? Well, the car is interesting because uh, the seats really are going to, I don't want to say make or break your posture, but they really will help it or really make it challenging. So if you have a bucket seat, which is in the lower riding cars, some of those cars have a natural bucket seat. But I've noticed even in some of the station wagons, like we looked at Subaru, no offense, Subarus are awesome, but we looked at them like over a decade ago. And so I'm hoping this has changed, but the seats were very buckety, meaning they kind of rounded my um, low back and tipped my pelvis into a posterior tilt. And no one needs to sit like that, right? You don't need to sit like in a super anterior tilt, but to sit where your low back is rounded can put some strain on the low back. So that's what a bucket seat will do. It'll kind of um, kind of suction you back into a, a rounded slouchy position. So you want to have a seat. Nowadays, the newer cars will allow you to adjust your seat in multiple ways. So you want to have this a seat um, forward enough that you have some leg room, but that your knees aren't going higher than your hips. You want to have your um, sit bones 
kind of centered so that you're right on top of them. And I bring my the back of my seat up enough that I can lean into it because I can get that triple S sensation of, of leaning my scapula back and even the headrest of the seat um, leaning my skull back. And that might feel pretty rigid at first, but it's really nice to go there and then maybe come away from there a little bit. Um, while you're in a, in the car, you want to maintain the feeling that you are have a readiness in your musculature, that you're not just sinking like you would be like slouching in the couch. So for instance, a lightly, lightly holding the abdominal wall back toward the spine, lightly lifting the navel, the, I'm sorry, the pubic bone up like a zipper with a light hold of the sit bones. You don't want to overly like, you don't, you don't want to clench your pelvic floor, but having some energy there actually helps your posture a lot. Once your energy lessens and if it goes away a lot, in the pelvic bowl, it's a lot harder to maintain a decent seated position. So first align the pelvis so that you're not tipping back because the bowl of the pelvis, if it's tipping back, it's spilling some energy. If it's tipping forward, same thing. And then if you're just kind of collapsing into your pelvis and no feeling of of abdominal wall or pelvic floor activation, that also is going to feel not great on the spine. So have all of that in play. And if you have the ability to use the back of your seat and the back of your headrest as those points of contact you can make um, for your triple S, I think it's great to have. All right. Any advice, uh, the Linstagram <laughs> ask any advice for winging scapula. So winging scapula is when the back, uh, the scapula make contact with the thoracic spine, but not directly. The contact is known as the scapulothoracic joint. And then like other joints, it's not a kind of true joint. It's considered a physiological joint, meaning there, there's movement of one bone on top of the other, which is what a, a, a joint does. But the bones don't actually kind of come together like they would say, you know, when the femur meets the tibia or something like that. The the scapula meets the the humerus. So it's more the relationship of the scapula moving along the thorax. And so if the muscles surrounding the scapula, in particular, the muscles that are in between the scapula, like the rhomboids and middle trapezius that are underneath the scapula, like the subscapularis and part of the serratus anterior, and then from the tip of the scapula to the humerus, the rotator cuff, if those muscles are not doing their job of holding the scapula kind of suction cupped onto the back of the ribs, then you will get some different types of winging. So there can be a real lifting of the scapula away from the ribs, especially with weight bearing of the arms or lifting of the arms overhead. There can be some winging. So the advice is going to be multifactorial. It's not like one thing. What you first have to do is really get your posture good, your posture great. Okay, because your resting position of your scapula is essential. A lot of PTs and um, other mechanical, you know, biomechanical people will not always agree with that, and that's fine. But in my opinion, from the people that I've worked with, and I've worked with a ton of people over the years, the resting position of the scapula is essential because that's where that's your starting point. So if you're creating an arc, it's like if you're pulling, you know, um, a bow. The entire range of that pull, the entire arc, uh, is 
is important to create force, to create tension and to create, um, you know, an energetic final product. You know, if you're two things coming together that create a movement will create something here, create a final product, which is that the bow is being going through the air and it has a lot of energy to it. So that, that the way the the bow it releases the arrow the bow, the arrow is going through the air the way the arrow goes through the air is really dependent on that full range of the motion of the bowstring so we are similar in the scapula if the scapula starts off and it's already rounded forward so that would be the equivalent of having these slouchy sin i've talked about slouchy shoulders then you're then you're already starting in a position where you're not going to get the fullest mobility of the scapula, and therefore you're missing out on the strength as well. So you need to be able to work on your neutral position of the scapula in your posture. And then you take that into action in weight bearing, in your quadruped, in planks, and work on having the scapula stay in neutral, which is about two to three inches from midline and not hiking up and not hiking down, but just right there in the center. And then holding the feeling of holding the scapula right onto the ribs. And that is a feeling that you have to cultivate. It's a neuro mapping, meaning your brain has to understand, wait, okay, how do I hold that scapula so it doesn't just kind of pop away? And so there's different techniques. One is that in quadruped, you can or in plank, you can pull the hands back just a little bit energetically. They don't actually move, but you're pulling. And in that pulling back of the hands, there's an engagement of the scapula along the ribs. And that brings awareness to exactly where you want to hold the scapula. You can also dial your hands into the floor. So the right hand would dial to the right like it was clockwise. Left hand would dial to the left like it was counterclockwise. And there's not an actual movement of the hands, but there's an energetic torque that's created that gives all this messaging to the musculature around the humerus, including the rotator cuff that attaches to the scapula to really to grab, you know, to hold. And it's the awareness that really, it's like, it's like taking a triangle, you know, like the instrument and going, bing, you have to bring the awareness and there's a, a sound that happens, but it's the vibration that you feel with that sound. So that's what we're trying to do. We're bringing a vibration um, quality to the area that we need to um, feel and brain map. And in that area, we're just trying to hug the scapula onto the back. Now, what gets trickier is when you start adding movement, going from like plank and lowering, bending the elbows a little bit, putting more demand on these scapula stabilizers to hold the scapula in place so that you don't get the winging. And by the way, having some lift off of the scapula is, is normal. There is space between the scapula and the rib cage. What you don't want is it just popping away because there's a lack of integration of those muscles. So you first start with these isometric holds, and then you just go up from there. And there's lots of other exercises, by the way. But I, I do things on my Instagram where I show you how to mobilize the scapula, squeeze the scapula together and do little pulses there. You're just bringing, uh, it's not a like high weights or anything. You're not, I'm not even usually holding weights, but just that little bit of movement is bringing that neuromuscular awareness to this area because many people are not even aware that their scapula is popping or winging because they just don't have the awareness of activation in, in those muscles. 
So I would take to my Instagram page and, and look at some of the many examples. A lot of them are in weight bearing and some of them are not of moving and stabilizing the scapula. Final question for today. Ariel Simone asks, does your method also lead to fat loss or only muscle gain? I would say that my method is going to help you with either, you know, and that's, that's not something I'm going out there like, you're going to lose weight. But um, this is the reason why I know, because again, I've looked at thousands of bodies and I've seen it in my, you know, home studio where I've seen people over years and, and their body changes. And really what happens is I think people get, their, their muscles get stronger, but not bulkier. And they're proximal muscles, the muscles that are basically closest to the bones. So the very deep core muscles hold you together more. So you really look perhaps leaner, um, but maybe you don't weigh differently, but you you feel differently because you're actually holding yourself together from a deep place. So people often will say, oh, I can fit into a different size pants or you know, everybody thinks that I, some people say I grew like half an inch, you know, all these type of things. And a lot of it is the work we do is so um, specific to that proximal stability, to that core integration. So if you're, again, not quite sure what I'm saying when I say proximal, think about the, like if you were to look at a skeleton and then imagine starting to fill in the skeleton, you would start from closest to the spot. You couldn't like put the, the skin on the skeleton it's far away from the actual bones. You start from, you start layering right at the bones. Well, those are the proximal muscles because they are going to control the skeleton and while it's moving, while it's standing, all of those things. Now, if those muscles, and you go to the next layer and there's lots of crossovers of layers and all kinds of interwoven um, qualities to the way our muscles groups and envelopes kind of, uh, intersect. But in general, if you are not working well in those really proximal muscles, you work more in the superficial muscles, which are great for moving and all that, but they're not going to hold you together as much. They're not going to stabilize you. So there's a quality of of learning how to go into those deeper muscles and, and activate them well that um, hold you hold yourself differently. So I think that makes you look different. Um, do you burn more calories? Well, this form of yoga does do it does burn a lot of calories because, um, and I I don't measure them per se, but I just over, again over the years, so many of my home studio people have these burning calorie watches and whatnot that they use, and they'll say, "My God, this is just like taking a Peloton class or take running, you know, five miles or something," and. It has to do a lot with A, you're going, you're using your core. B, we get on our hands a lot. Even if you never go into a handstand, you're on your hands a lot. Well, when you add weight bearing through your hands, it's like you're doubling the the workload of the body. So not just like if you're running, you're working your feet and your arms do a little something. And then you have you have a degree of momentum going forward and you're raising your heart rate. But when you get on your hands, you are doubling the work, right? You've got your arms have to stabilize, be stabilized by the core, and then the legs and hips need to be stabilized by the core. So there's there's so much more going on. So it's a very effective method for burning calories, getting your heart rate up, 
And yes, you'll develop muscle, but it's it's more um, a balanced muscle development. You don't get really bulky because you're not working the superficial muscles that do tend to get bigger and bulkier. But by mo- working the more the proximal muscles, the smaller but very important muscles, it, you can have the the look and the feel of being longer and leaner. Every move from the beginning of the class to the end has a purpose. And that purpose is to make you, to help you feel better, to help you move better, to help you stand better. And I think when you are doing all of those things, you make better choices in how you eat, what you eat, when you eat, all of those things as well that, that do contribute to weight loss or muscle gain and all that kind of stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it's so much more layered than the movement itself, if that's going to burn fat or not. It's also that I think you just become uh, more efficient in your, you have more energy. And when you have more energy, you don't eat for the wrong reasons. Usually, like usually we're tired, we eat and we don't even know why we're eating. And that might be we're bored, we're stressed, but there's like a fatigue, a fog in the brain. And so I think that this type, this method, again, just brings you a lot more clarity. And in that clarity, your, your choices tend to be better. So that's my take on it. I would love to hear your take on it, though, for people that have been practicing with me for a while. I love when people say, hey, here's me a year after I started practicing um, lit yoga or the lit method. And it's pretty amazing just the shift. And it's not just maybe in the way the body appears, but the way a person is holding him or herself in the body. It's, it's different as well. All right. As always, I'm pulling for you. Lots of love. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.